Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Dare to Dream Bigger podcast with me, your host, Claire Yosa, mentor to passionate world changers. And today I've got a real treat for you. It's not just me waffling on as usual. I've got an interview for you with somebody I hugely admire and respect, whose work I have followed for many years, who has inspired and empowered me on my journey, Nancy Marmolejo. She is the founder of Talent and Genius and where Nancy absolutely excels is helping you get to grips with your unique genius, with who your audience is, how to inspire them through connecting with that gift inside you. And she's absolutely incredible at this. I got to interview her as part of writing the Dare to Dream Bigger handbook. And you can find her in step one on clarity if you've already got the handbook. If you haven't, you can get your copy, Dare to Dream Bigger, www.daretodreambiggerhandbook.com. And check out what Nancy has to say. But first, listen to this interview. It's a bit longer than the usual podcast, but I promise you it'll be worth it. Enjoy. So I'm really, really excited, Nancy, to get to talk to you today. And I have been a fan of your work for a long time. (laughs) And you have inspired me so many times. And the reason I'm really excited today is I want to talk to you about inner genius, which is something we cover in the Dare to Dream handbook. And it's something that people often resist, is really connecting with their inner genius. And for me, if I needed help with my inner genius, you, with your talent and genius focus, would be the person I would go to. So welcome, and it's lovely to have you join us today, Nancy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Now, what I'd love to know from you is, how did you discover that you needed to focus on your genius? My my genius personally. Mm, your personal genius. Okay, so for me personally, there are certain things that I've always been wired to do well. And if you look up the definition of genius, it's really interesting because we when we hear genius, we think of somebody who's really good at math or, you know, the Nobel mm. Science Award winner. And genius actually means an exceptional intellectual or creative power or other natural ability. And so if we think to ourselves, what are our exceptional natural abilities? I just like to make that the great equalizer because when I throw in the word intellectual or creative, there are people have blocks to that. Oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I'm not intellectual. So I was like, okay, but are you natural? Were you born in the natural world? Yes. Okay, great. We can work with that. So what is an exceptional natural ability? And What I find is that we are all born with these things. You can observe a group of small children and you'll see them all in their exceptional natural abilities and all the things that they um, are, are gravitating towards. And so I started to look at myself saying, okay, what are the things that I'm really good at? And one is connecting with people. Uh, Another is communicating and being able to listen to what one person is saying and reflect it back to them in a way that they understand themselves and what they said in a better and deeper way. And that's one of the things that I am able to use to when I say I can spot someone's genius is I can really just listen to them and gather information from that person. I call it collecting and connecting. I collect Mm -hmm. information. I start connecting dots and then I reflect it back to them and say, look at, did you know this about you? 
I was a teacher for many, many years before I started my coaching business. So I've been doing this action for decades now. And I realized that that is a genius trait of mine. How can I apply it? So I was able to apply it in the educational world. I've been able to apply it in the business world. And the most important thing was realizing that not every single person, A, has the same genius, and also realizing that it's valuable because people can't see themselves and self-reflect the same way as when somebody else is reflecting to you. Absolutely. And what kind of things do you find people resisting? Because certainly in in the English language, the word genius, as you've said, is quite a strong word. And I know that you've combined it with talent. How do people react when you say, I want to talk to you about your genius? A lot of people, this is what's very interesting, is that every now and then somebody will say, oh, I don't have any genius. And, And that's primarily because they're thinking about it from intellectual abilities. And as soon as I start to explain to them what the definition of genius is, and I let them know it's about exceptional natural abilities, they start to soften up and they can hear it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. When I first introduced the the brand of Talent and Genius, which was in the summer of 2013, I had people coming out of the woodwork and they were just saying, I know I have a genius inside of me. I know that I have these things. I just don't know how to identify it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to use it, but I just know that I have a special combination of talents and I have a special combination of gifts. And it was that knowing that you have something, um, let's say you have a, a closet in your house that's filled with stuff and you know that there's a bag of a million dollars or a million pounds in there uh, and you there's also junk. There's lids from old containers and there's old papers. You know, it's like mm, there's all yeah. this stuff, but in there, there's some gems, there's some diamonds, there's some gold, there's some money, there's some flotsam and jetsam. And it's a matter of being able to go in and discern what's the valuable stuff, what's the stuff that's, you know, just there. So helping people clean up and unclutter, um, you know, their own concept of themselves has been a big part of this work. I love that. It's the whole thing. Yeah. The idea of you having a concept of yourself that needs polishing. It's like a dirty mirror or a cloudy diamond, isn't it? And the yes. work you're doing helps but by reflecting to the other person how you see them and the genius you can see within them. It helps them have the awareness and step into that confidence. That is true. And, and I... I, as I said, I started off in education and I worked with the kids who were falling through the cracks. I worked with kids who were struggling with acculturation. They were um, in the recent immigrants to the United States. They, how they got into the country was none of my business. They were there and some of them endured great hardships to get here. They were living on their own most of the time. Some of them were living in shelters. I had students who had come from Bosnia during the conflict of the late 90s. I, there were so many things that came in there with them and literacy levels were low and dropout rates were high and pregnancy rates were high and incarceration levels were high. There were all these things working against them. And I was the person who was their last stop before falling through the cracks. And I'd look them in the eye and say, you have brilliance inside of you. You have something, you have a a form of intelligence that is unique to you. I'm going to pull it out of you, whether, you know, come hell or high water, we're going to do this. And it was amazing. It was amazing what happened when people were, it was reflected back to them. This one student who 
was uh, had literacy skills of a probably a first grader, a teenager. And um, as I got to know him, what I realized is that he compensated by developing this incredible auditory recall. You could say something to him, you could teach him and tell him a whole book and he'd remember every single thing you say, be able to return it back to you and have intelligent discussions. But the way that he was evaluated in this world was by what he could put on paper and what he could read from a book. But nobody was really testing him on his other intelligences. And at that point, I just said to myself, okay, everybody has something about them. Everybody. And and that's really uh, just a, a strong-held belief that I have and I carry it with me in the work that I do to today. That's beautiful. But So why do you think so many of us do settle for mediocre, Nancy? Well, mediocre is safe. Mediocre won't get you in trouble. And mediocre is what somebody else tells you will will help you get through it. You know, um, I think of somebody who, um, well, here's a great example. You know, there are a lot of people who are, amazing at what they do. Um, and I'll, I'll take people from the coach, coaches, uh, people who are really good listeners, um, healers. Uh, they just really know how to hold a space for somebody. And it's beautiful, the work that they do. And they're not getting any clients. So they go and they start taking classes from somebody who's teaching them how to make a boatload of money, you know, as a coach. And ultimately, then what happens is they stop doing the work that they're so brilliant at. And somebody's like, well, if you really want to make money as a coach, you have to go out and teach other coaches how to make money (laughs) as a coach. (laughs) Yep. And they stop doing the work that they're brilliant at. And they start doing this other thing, which is how to market. And that may or may not be their genius area, but somebody has told them that's the only way you're going to make money as a coach. And I've seen a lot of people withhold that healing magic that they have for others because they're now focused in another area and they're and they may or may not be great at it but it's that to me feels like that mediocrity it's settling for something that somebody else has decided is the best bet for you is the safe bet for you don't veer too off too far off of your edge stay here in the center stay in your comfort zone stay where it's safe you know this is a proven method um, it's what you call the sausage machine yeah you know, and, and so I just, I'm not saying it's bad that somebody who's a healer or a coach goes into teaching marketing and how to have a successful business like they've had. My thing is, what is your motive? Is it because you've given up? Is it because somebody has told you this is the only way you can do it? Are you doing it out of love and excitement and creativity and contribution? Or are you doing it out of a place of settling? That's beautiful. And you're right, you see it so often. It's almost, it's a fear-based thing, I think, sometimes. is people struggling to get clients or they're scared to really stand in their soul shoes and be who they really are. And when somebody comes along saying, look, actually, I can make it easy for you, it's very easy to trust and go down that route. Or, or maybe, it is. Yeah, and maybe it's stuff, you know, from childhood onwards is people shape who we are and we change who we are so that we can fit in, so that it's safe, so we don't get into trouble because, you know, the troublemakers are the ones who stand there and really show who they are. And I wonder if it's that shutdown is just waiting for someone to say, actually, here's your safe option. I've mm-hmm. kind of done it for you, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, cool. So 
how would somebody who's resonating with this, who's thinking, oh gosh, okay, yeah, maybe that inner genius, maybe my talent, my innate skills are, are ready to start ex- exploding in the world. How would you start them off? What kind of questions could they ask themselves to start uncovering? Well, the things that I start people on, I, I just, I would need to know who are you? Mm-hmm. What do you stand for? What's important to you? What's your life experience? What's your life story? What are the things that come easily and effortlessly to you that you love doing, you enjoy doing? So I'm collecting all this information and then I'm connecting the dots. When I work privately with someone, I take them through a very intensive uh, genius session. And the genius session is where I'm really pulling out. I want to know your life story. I want to know what you were like as a little kid. I want to know what you did in school. I want to know about your relationships. And I want to know about things that come easily to you. And I want to know about your experiences. And tell me your first job. And tell me all of this information about yourself. So I'm learning about people. And then the connecting part it's a there's some logical connections that are made but there are a lot of intuitive connections that are made as well so i can't necessarily teach somebody like here you can Mm. replicate my process Mm. but something happens in this collecting and connecting experience and i also find out like what you were saying is where people were playing mediocre and it can can I share something with you else? Because I just I realized you know you asked me that question about mediocre, and right after I finished sharing it, I I need to confess that I have been in that place myself. So I'm not standing here from some pulpit telling people do this, do that, and be great because I'm great because I'm not. I've I've everything I teach is because I I stumbled down and I figured out how to get myself up. And what happened is when I first started my business in 2003. My focus was around um, creativity. I was like, I wanted to work with wildly creative women. And I had these coaching groups that were attracting women who were starting businesses. And they just had a million ideas. And um, I really, I helped them to manage their creativity and to point it in the right direction and how to take the steps of what they were doing. It was really supporting their creative vision. And what happened is I got really good at using social media to promote myself um, for my creativity coaching. (laughs) And then look at this. This is ironic because I was just chastising everybody who does this. Um, I ended up getting so many people asking me, how did I get to get so much success with using social media? I then found myself teaching social media. Now, I grew up in a family business, so running a business, marketing, those are things that do I do have experience in. I love them. They come naturally to me. I look at it as another form of creativity and communication for myself. But with the social media stuff, you know, at some point, people were just asking me technical questions. And rather than say, you know what, that's not my genius area. You should go talk to so-and-so. I started to get greedy. And I wanted, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'll answer that question for you. And I started answering those questions. And I, you know, once you open that door, it just brings more in. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm inundated with people asking me for um, technical expertise. Well, then there's this whole population of people in my industry who don't even know me associated with 
creativity and expansive thinking and moving into your genius, they associate me with social media um, expertise. And it created this big disconnect. And for me, that going into that technical area, that was a place of mediocrity. So I wanted to share, I just wanted to back up to that last question and just let people know it's not, you're not a bad person if you find yourself in that place. But if you find yourself in that place, you're happy. It could have been a new opportunity that opened up for you. Awesome. Go for it. But if you find yourself in that place and you feel compromised and you feel like your other work is suffering, your true genius work is suffering because you're so focused on these other things that might just be making money for the moment, then that bears some, um, you know, examination. Absolutely. It's, it's like you're saying, what is it I want to be known for? You know, mm-hmm. in, in two, three, five years time, what do I want to be known for? Is that lined up with my genius or is that just lined up with something I'm pretty good at that's easier? Mm. Yeah. So how would you suggest people get the courage to actually start connecting with their genius? Because particularly, you know, some cultures have a stronger self-criticism streak than others. What kind of challenges do you see people facing? Well, the thing about the talent and genius is that there are there are different phases that we need to go through, and it depends on where you are in your journey. If this is something that is super, super brand new to you, let it be a part of your personal development and, and opening up of your self-awareness. So just acknowledging, like, you know what? I realize that I have a natural sense of being a great listener. And if somebody realizes that about themselves and they never really claimed it, they owned it, let that be something that you can really embrace and claim as an area of mastery. You can demonstrate it by continuing to be a masterful listener. You can go a step further and you can talk to people about how to be better listeners. You can start to look at yourself and say, you know what, I have something that's actually really amazing that other people struggle with. So what if I were to model it? What if I were to teach it? What if I were to really bring it up as a conversation topic, as an area where um, I have some expertise? That's just that's just one example. Now, for some people, it serves them in their career. It can serve them in their relationships. And other, for others, it, it can actually serve them in their business. Somebody might want to start a business that's all around the power of listening, and they become known for that. So it depends on how far you want to take it, whether it's something that you want to be entrepreneurial with or whether you just want to use it for your own uh, personal and spiritual development. So what you're describing is a beautiful way of turning it into a journey rather than a destination. So people can start, say they're making that transition from a workplace to wanting to run a business. They can build up that confidence in their inner genius. They can build up the skills. They can start practicing in somebody else's business in a completely different job because it's their inner genius and they're just choosing how to express that in the world. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. And and it's the type of thing, if it's really your genius, it's going to show up wherever you go. So one part of my genius is I just, I'm curably curious. I'm constantly, ever since I was a child, I'm just the, oh, what if we do it this way? Oh, what if we put these things together? And sometimes it's a disaster because mm-hmm. I have these crazy ideas. <laughs> and other times it's just, whoa, how'd you think of that? Like, I don't know. And it's like a muscle that you just keep developing. Like, I challenge myself every day, 
let what can I do today that'll take me out of my comfort zone? What's a what's a curious question that can lead me around today? What if I do this? What if I do that? And it's it doesn't have to be anything destructive or too risky, although sometimes it is. Like I have a a photo shoot I'm going to do pretty soon and I want to get new headshots, but we want to do it in a completely different way. And so I might be riding a bicycle in front of a graffitied wall wearing a evening gown. I mean, there's I just, wait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, it's like, okay, is that a good idea for a professional headshot? I don't know. Let's find out. You know, it's that <laughs> kind of curiosity. Like, has anybody done that before? Is it proven? I'm not sure. Maybe they have, maybe a fashion magazine's done it. But let's just go. You know, so it's that kind of childlike wonder that, you know, for me leads me around. So what is what are the natural things that everybody else has that can lead them um, through their day? And it just permeates all all aspects of your life and your work. I, I totally get that. And one of the things I find if I've got a comfort zone, I've got a stretch. One of the things that helps me is just to break my routine on tiny stuff like maybe change the order of my morning routine, you know, that kind of thing. It's little flexibility and little comfort zone stretches open you up to do the crazy stuff like riding a bike in front of a graffitied wall in a ball gown. I really want to see that photo. <laughs> I, I really do too. So thank you. <laughs> that is fantastic. That is so you. <laughs> I love what you say as well about how the genius kind of it kind of it can come and it almost finds us it keeps nagging at us doesn't it because I remember when I discovered part of my genius I was working in market research I was head of market research for a major brand and I loved what I did I loved the intellectual challenge I had been an engineer so I had this fantastic I got to be the link between the customers the product designers and the marketing teams which was just my dream thing to do but whenever I went to a friend's party I would end up sitting with people who would suddenly start telling me their problems, but they didn't get stuck in the story. I would suddenly look at them and somehow I just knew exactly where they were stuck and the one shift they needed to make to get unstuck to take the leap. And it became really annoying because I couldn't go to a party without this happening. I would just meet a total stranger and kind of go, oh, right, you're stuck here. Should we deal with it? (laughs) And it took a good few years before I finally accepted and admitted that that was what I was meant to be here to doing. Market research was great, but it wasn't making a big enough difference. And that's why I took the leap and went and set up my own business back in 2003. See, that is, I love that. You couldn't escape it if you wanted to. It was going to follow you around, track you through dark alleys and just like jump you. It's like, sorry, girl, you are not escaping. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. I didn't know that part of your story. Yeah. it was, And it was brilliant as well, because somehow I managed to conspire that I, because I knew I wouldn't make the leap, I managed to conspire a set of circumstances that forced my hand. And I can look back and I can actually see how I engineered them. It's like a bit of me just said, you know what, enough already. <laughs> Off you go, girl. But I have to say, people do now know to avoid me at parties unless they want oh. that inner genius coming to the fore. Oh my gosh, I, I seek you out. It's like, is it okay if I sit with you again at this party? Because I want to, yeah, yeah, that's like get a reading from you. That's beautiful. See, and that's the type of thing. There are some people who they just have, like my, my, um, my partner, El Sweetie, he is my my life partner, and he is meticulous. I mean, everything is like all his ducks are in a row. He's super neat. Everything is just perfect, 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 perfect. I am 
I am not him. I am the opposite. I'm just like creative and conceptual and everything's all over the place. And we had this great conversation around what, like why, you know, and at first I was like, oh, you're so anal. And what came out of it though was for him, his his love of things being it's divine order. It's a spiritual practice for him to keep things in divine order. And when I realized that when things are meticulous for him, when everything is in order, that that is part of his spiritual expression and that's part of his spiritual growth, I understood it in an entirely different way. And I said, that is your gift. And we were just updating some things for him in, in the way that he describes the work that he does, because he does that for a living. He's a process and system consultant. And I said, when you describe your work, let's find a way to put the words divine order in there, because I think that's your brand. And he did. And it was huge, because now it's like people understand that it's not just I'm a person who puts things in order, it's divine order. It's mm. like, whoa. So anyhow, I think that there's just these things that follow us wherever we go. And yeah. Absolutely. And El Sweetie's branding with that as well, it will make sure he gets clients that are open to that. It's going to resonate. It's going to turn off the ones that he would hate working with. It's such a simple thing for him to choose to have in his wording, but it's going to be like a radar that people will come yes. and find, yeah? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're fortunate enough to live in the San Francisco Bay Area where if you put something like divine order in the description of your work, people don't <laughs> go, what? What? They're like, oh, that's great. Oh, we love that. You know, I've found over the years, um, you know, as an NLP trainer as well, that people just delete the bits they don't get. Do you find mm-hmm. that? <laughs> it's like they don't hear them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, want, 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 what? Yeah. Well, that's one of the things around genius. You know, I'll back up and talk. When I when I am working with people to teach them about their genius, I'm, I also, like one of, the, one of the, the steps we ultimately get to is how do you communicate that? You know, it's like first thing is the thing of knowing it. And then the next thing is how do you communicate it? And then how do you lead with it? And in the communication piece, it's really important that you're able to describe it in a way that it anchors with people. And I don't do, I'm not trained in NLP, but I have a feeling that some of the things that naturally come to me are um, NLP-ish. I'm quite sure of that. You know, really creating that anchor so that way the person's brain, the brain is always looking for context. So I try to help my clients communicate their talent and genius in a way that the people who are seeking that context and meaning, they're going to they're gonna hear it and they'll hear your message and it lands and it sticks. Um, that's why I love to do messaging work with people because from that place of, of putting in your talent and genius and then making sure that it's really, really connecting with another person's brain and filters um, it makes it even more successful. Absolutely. And because it's built on that authenticity and that groundedness, and it's that real you, it's going to be more effective. If you have to stand on a stage and talk about it, you're going to convince people. Whereas if you're reading something, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're reading something that somebody else has told you to say, it's just not going to resonate the same way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, um, I go to groups and I teach them how to talk about what they do in a way that's natural and and more, I want a dialogue-based communication. And um, 
I went to this meeting a while back and everybody in the room got up and introduced themselves. They had 30 seconds. They had to say who they were and what they did and all that stuff. And it was like one cardboard cutout after the next stood Mm -hmm. up and recited this little script. And then they sat down. And then I worked with them on this other way of doing it. And it was suddenly like we were real people sitting around having real conversation. And I don't know if it's an American thing of people just like, hi, plastic, here's my, you know, it's like this cardboard <laughs> cutout of yourself. But I just feel like this, this, I've always been turned off by that. And I'm thinking to myself, how does that actually help forward your business? Like, are we so used to listening to commercials all the time that we have to talk like commercials? I mean, so I'm really trying to find a way to disrupt those patterns so that people can really anchor onto it. And then they understand this is who you are. This is what you're great at. How awesome. I get your genius. I get you. I see the value that you bring to the table. Absolutely. And then when they come across somebody in a bar or in a restaurant or somewhere that needs your skills, they're going to remember you. They're going to recommend you. They're going to say, hey, I met this incredible person who does such and such. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and just, you know, there's, I don't know if you guys have it as much where you are when, like, here in the United States, like, everybody identifies themselves by their work and their career. And it's like, instead of saying, hello, it's hi. So what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's actually something we discuss in the book. <laughs> it's fair. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 we're so obsessed. We end up building our entire business upside down because we build it on what we do rather than who we are. And if you imagine right. it, it's like a pyramid on its pinnacle. And because the what you do is just the above the surface stuff of who you really are, which is all below the surface, you know, the thoughts, the beliefs, what's important to you, your identity, that pinnacle at that tiny little point you're resting on, as soon as anything comes to knock it, the pyramid falls over and your business goes because you've built it on what you do. But I think there's so much of that is cultural. What we do is outside. It's safe. Yeah. If you really get below the surface and you lay the foundations in who am I? What is my genius? What is the difference I am here to make? What is the legacy I want to leave? What's important to me? What do I need to believe about myself or the world to let that happen? What thoughts do I need to think? And then you've got the actions on the top. The actions are easier. But you're right. At parties anywhere. Hi, I'm Claire. What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) It's safe, isn't it? Yeah. So there's all these different responses. Can I share a tip please, with everybody? Like, do. I'd love to just give, and I don't know what you have in the book, so I might be no, that's cool. what you're saying. You're welcome. But to. I mean, there's some people are like, oh, you should answer it back with something really cute. Like, <laughs> well, I blah, blah, blah. And it's like cutesy, cutesy. And that's fine. And maybe that works, you know, but sometimes people look at you like, oh, I'm just, you're weird. So <laughs> one of the things that I do, and I, here's, here's a curiosity homework for everyone. Like, what if, the next time somebody asks you, what do you do? You just looked at them and refused to answer the question. And it's like, let's just take the question off the table. You don't have to be rude or a jerk about it, Mm. but you can, somebody says, hi, so, so what do you do? And you can answer and say, you know what, rather than tell you, write this, you know, what I do, let me tell you a little story about something that happened with somebody I worked with. And that'll give you a better idea of Mm. what I really do. Or, you know what, I can give you a word right now that tells you what I do, but it doesn't really give the essence of what I do. So let me just share with you this, like, here's a recent result that somebody got. Now, this is obviously not something if you've got one second to talk to somebody, but the thing is, is that it's also showing 
I'm here to really make a connection. I'm really here to have a valuable dialogue. I'm not here to just recite a title and then move on to the next person and have you evaluate me in three to six seconds of whether I'm worthy to continue talking to or not. Because that's what's happening. And so I just want to like, like nip that in the bud. So I respond back. It's like, oh, well, rather than tell you like a word of what I do, let me just tell you this thing that just happened with a client and then you can get an idea of it. And, and if you really need a title of what I do, I can ultimately say that. But, but to empower yourself in that moment and turn it around. Be the one guiding and leading the conversation. Absolutely. We're here to break the paradigms, aren't we? We're here to, to, to turn it upside down because when you do that, you open it up for the other person to come back and actually really connect with you too. And you can get curious and you can find out about them and about what's exciting to them and what they would love doing and, you know, who they would love working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would advise people just practice, practice <laughs> that in the mirror because if you're nervous, you could really come off sounding like a jerk I mean it's like so what do you do oh I'm not going to answer that question it's like okay fine I'll see you later I'll just move on I'll move on so how can you how can you turn the question around so it becomes a real dialogue and a really cool conversation as opposed to this six second evaluation interview yeah I love some work I heard from you ages ago as well about how you know people all they all start saying oh I help people that kind of thing. And you were encouraging people to find their verb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved that. That was yeah. such a, a good and simple reframe. Um, could you just give us a quick, just an overview? Because I found that really powerful when I was at that stage in my business. Oh, excellent. Thank you for that feedback. And so a lot of people say I help, which is not a mm. bad word, but they're just when everybody's using the same word. And sometimes I say the word help, um, but I was on a real anti-help campaign for a while. So you yeah. must have caught me right in the middle of that. <laughs> it was useful. Up. It was useful. <laughs> I, I just have to hammer the point across. So we, I suggest people find a strong verb that really describes them, their genius and what they do. So for example, let's go back to my guy, El Sweetie, that's his code name. Um, what he does is he uh, he often simplify is a really big word for him. Um, you know he simplifies things and brings them to divine order. The minute we say we hear him say simplify in our minds, we get a picture. We can feel it in our bodies. No matter what your learning style is, whether you need to hear it or see it or feel it or move through it, if you have a strong verb, you can feel it on all your senses. So when I hear somebody say simplify. I feel a sense of relief go through my body. I see things in order. And I know that that's something I don't know how to do naturally. So I'm thinking, oh, that's great. I don't even, I don't even know all the rest of the stuff he does. But if I just associate him with the word simplify, awesome. And there are other people who, like one of my great um, skills is to reflect. And so when I'm talking to people, it's like I can reflect back to you. You know, I can collect and connect and reflect back to you. People remember, oh, that's Nancy. She knows how to reflect back to us in a way that helps us see ourselves. So there's these strong verbs that we can use. Um, you know, demystify, simplify, build, create, organize, design. Really, you know, and, and, and the ones that are kind of mushy, I have to say, mm. there's some that are mushy, like empower is used a lot, although it's a really great word. It's used so often people may or may not hear it. So how, what's another word besides empower? You know, like people say, I inspire, I empower. It's like, that is great, but we need to find some other words to say. 
So sometimes, like for my um, mission statement for my business, it's to reveal and ignite new edges of leadership. And, um, you know, as opposed to say to help people find new edges of leadership. If I were to say I help people find new edges of leadership, or if I were to say I reveal and ignite new edges of leadership, reveal and ignite, there's like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. stripping stuff down and light it on fire. Like no, there is absolutely there is no maybe about that. There's no maybe about that. Somebody else, their help might be, you know, I'm gonna put a blanket over you and bring you some tea. That's a very different kind of help. So help can come out. It's like, how are you gonna help me? How are you gonna help me? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna kick my butt? Are you gonna give me a hug? Are you gonna make me tea? Are you gonna, you know, throw me off the cliff? What are you going to do to help me? So I just want people to unpack that concept. So that it's really clear. So once again, we're making that clear connection with the other person and they say, oh, got it. I totally get you. I need you. You're the person I'm looking for. That's fantastic. And I'd like to wrap up with one final topic, if that's all right with you, Nancy, which is so many people, when they look at really moving into their genius, they assume that they've got to give up work and become a full-time business person. And then they start freaking out about what am I going to live off? And I can't make any money. And they use that as kind of a way of preventing themselves from stepping into their genius. What would you advise somebody who's got that kind of challenge and conversation running in their head? Oh, wow. Well, it depends on the person, first of all. And it depends on their aversity to risk and their tolerance to risk. Um, and if it's okay, so, so somebody who wants to start a, a business, there are a lot of people who say, oh, I'm passionate about X and I know that this is my genius, but they don't know how to translate that to the market. Mm-hmm. So it has to translate itself to the marketplace because otherwise it's going to be a, um, it could be more of your passion project that you're trying to force down everybody's throat. And if they don't understand the value of it and why they need it or should buy it, then that's going to be a, a, a challenge. So I think it's really important to understand that our genius itself, sometimes it itself can be the business and the whole thing stands on that. Other times it can be a skill, a fuel that we bring to whatever the work is that we're doing at hand. So there's no clear-cut answer on that one. I, I'm not going to promise everybody who says, oh, my gosh, this is my genius, you know, that you're going to go start a business and, and, you know, be the next Tony Robbins or something. And it's so liberating when you look at it like that because you can release all of the expectations from society, from entrepreneurship, and just say, look, I'm going to live and breathe my genius. If that takes me in the direction of running a business, I'm going to make sure I've got the support so I can work out what the market needs and I'm actually selling something that people want and they understand. And what you're describing with the messaging work you do, Nancy, you can help people actually translate their genius into something that will resonate with their audience, yeah? Yes, I've done that for people in so many different industries and professions and backgrounds and area of expertise. Um, What happens is that we get so caught up in what we do, we can't see it anymore. It's sort of like when you're writing a book and you've read the the manuscript (laughs) 150 times. Five. (laughs) (laughs) You can't see it anymore. And so that... That's a big piece of it. I just want to say this, Mm. though. When you are tapped into knowing what your genius is and really owning it and seeing it as a guide, it's not a short-term fix. It's a guide that's going to take you 
through the rest of your life and it helps you make decisions. It helps you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. To have that type of inner GPS on your side, if your decision is to go in a starting a business, then you are going from it from this place of your genius is guiding you. You will make good decisions for your business. If you want to apply it to your career, then you can apply it to career. If you're in a situation where you don't have to work, but you want to make it enhance your life, that can be applied too. It's a fuel that's running under the surface that's guiding everything. In my situation, I use it to guide my business and it helps me be true to what I want to do. And I have to say, you know, I shared that story earlier about doing the social media marketing. I veered away from it. I wasn't listening. I, but you know, it was, it was, that was a, that was a big lesson for me because then I had to kind of swoop back around, rebrand my business so that I was back in with this, this creative, you know, inner potential piece, calling it talent and genius. You know, that was a big, that was, that was like a lot. That was a lot of turmoil. That was a lot of money. That was a lot of days where I'd look in the mirror going, oh my God, what am I selling? Who wants to buy from me? Maybe I need to go get a job. I mean, there were just so many like dark nights of the soul. Mm -hmm. So uh, you don't have to do it the way I did it, everyone. You can, you can go in a much more painless way and just let it guide your decisions and have that trust and that faith that it's not going to steer you wrong. Um, You just need to stay connected to it. Trust it. Beautiful. And you're absolutely spot on when it guides your decisions, when it when it sets your intention and your motives. It's almost magical. Synchronicities line up, don't they? And, and people get excited. <laughs> it is when you're excited about what you do and you're really owning your mastery. Other people, it they they are excited and, and they they want you to be great at what you do because you're helping them. Absolutely. You're helping them both through your work and also as being a role model because everybody we have in our sphere that's standing in their genius and their authenticity is somebody else who helps pull us up to do that too, which is a Mm -hmm. real gift. Real gift. Thank you, Nancy. Is there anything else you want to say or can I say thank you? That's been absolutely just wonderful. I mean, I could talk for hours on this, Claire, but I think we can we can wrap it up. I feel like if I add anything else in, I'll just get I'll, I'll overwhelm people. But I, I I want to let you know everybody know that we you have it in you. It's a gift. It doesn't have to look like the person next to you. It doesn't need to be a replica of Claire. It doesn't need to be a replica of Nancy. It's you. And as soon as you start comparing yourself to other people saying, well, theirs is like this, so maybe mine should be like that. As soon as you go into that that bad neighborhood, mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's going to create the fear. That's going to have you second guess yourself. That's going to move you into mediocrity. So I, I challenge everyone to embrace it, to own it, to let it guide you. Do something bold. Be curious. Take the risks. Go into those places of what if, be the first to try something. It may or may not work, but if you love it enough, you'll come back and try it again. And that's the big piece here. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks for having me. This was fun. (laughs) Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Nancy Marmalejo for taking the time for this interview. I hope you found it inspirational. To find out more about Nancy's work, go to www.talentandgenius.com. And if you'd like to read her interview in the Dare to Dream Being a Handbook, you can get your copy at www.daretodreambiggerhandbook.com. <laughs>